0: I'm going to ask Elder Kirby to come and join me up front. Everyone just give him a warm welcome. Um, okay, so Kirby's uh, one of our church elders and um, husband of Susan and father of three boys. Now, Kirbs, i I'm going up here because we're talking about anxiety, and I'd love to know a little bit about, I guess, your uh, your experience of
1: anxiety and stress and worry and that kind of thing. Yep. So, um I get um, anxious or stressful uh, when, in a few um, areas of life, um, particularly um, when there are relational uh, conflicts, in uh, either at work or at church. Um, particularly um, when there's a lot of politics involved, um, I also get a lot of stress when the uh, physical and emotional demands of um, just uh, having young children and they're just constantly at you. But I get particularly stressed when all three compound together at the same time. Because usually I play off one and the other. Like if one area is not too stressful, then I'll hide there. And if another is not too stressful, then I'll hide there. So either work, church or or family. But when they all come together, then I, I go into stress mode, which is like when you get your fight and fright response. Um, now, you
0: shared with me... Uh, late last year, you had actually a particularly physical manifestation of the, the stress and anxiety. you want know to tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, that's right. So um, the funny thing about this is that it was completely uh, unexpected. It was actually a normal Sunday afternoon, kind of like this one, um, after church we got home. Um, And uh, we played a game of Monopoly, which probably is stressful, but uh, it was asked to do that. Um, Probably was losing and also stressful from that. But um, basically after the game I went and I just got up and I felt really unwell, like um, very dizzy, very nauseous. Um, I thought I just needed to lie down. I'd been sitting down in a cramped position for too long. So I laid down and um, all of a sudden the room started spinning around me, really, really um, making me very unwell. And uh, I tried to turn my head around a few different positions to try and get out of that. Uh, I guess I work in health, so at the time I was thinking, oh, am I having a stroke? Am I actually, um, you know, uh, under so much um, physical, um, am I so unwell physically that maybe I've got an infection, maybe I've got a, a brain thing going on? Uh, but as it progressed, actually got to the point where um, my hands were spasming up. It was quite painful. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't uh, unflex them. I couldn't hold anything. And uh, when uh, my wife and kids came in to, to offer me a drink or or some food, I couldn't even eat it. And this went for about two hours, yeah, before it sort of slowly subsided. But I couldn't eat anything that night. So
0: what was it in the end, and how was it related to stress and anxiety? Yeah,
1: so I. I I didn't immediately make the connection, but fairly soon after, I thought, well, the day before, I had um, led a church leaders um, training day. Uh, The the day coming after, I was going to have to give a talk uh, at work, uh, and I was going to go into a week of on-call at the hospital, and um, it was actually the end of two weeks of school holidays. I, I just put some of those things together, and I thought, maybe it is just what I said before, the three areas of, big areas of my life compounding with stress and pressure put together that led to an episode, which I sort of thought, well, maybe this is a panic attack, basically. Yeah,
0: but it's, you know, the the fact that, I mean, I know others have had panic attacks and thought it was heart attack or something like that, but it can be very physical, very unexpected as well. Um, Okay, just last question. Thanks for sharing so honestly, and I'm sure yours is not the only um, story, um, and I hope that as a result of today, you will feel more, everyone here will feel more uh, permitted to be able to share how they've struggled with stress and anxiety. Um, but maybe just something that you found, as a follower of Jesus, um, all of these things don't just all suddenly go away. It's not a silver bullet, and I'll talk a bit more about that later on. But how have you found in your, in your relationship with God and understanding of the good news of Jesus, how have, how have ways, maybe just one or two ways that that has helped?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, the very first way, um, which doesn't hit directly into the Gospel, but uh, was that I reached out. I reached out to a brother in Christ who I knew was struggling with depression and anxiety, and I had been praying for and talking with. And I said, look, I had this experience and I really need your prayer mm. and your support right now. And uh, he was gracious and did that for me. And I just thought, oh, that's a really good um, example of how um, we live in community and in a Christian community where uh, people understand um, where you're coming from and what you need right at that moment. Um, but it leads on to that second point. And I think um, uh, where uh, this hits um, the theme of the gospel is, I had probably uh, begun to um, slip into a habit or a way of doing things which was uh, just do more and more and continuing to to, um, complete tasks to achieve um, my own um, sense of um, identity or where I was. And I had forgotten uh, that actually um, I don't... Uh, do ministry or work or whatever uh, because uh, i want to uh, earn something for myself but i do it because i get to i get to because um god had made me into um a, an adopted child of his and um i get to do all this stuff and so i can go easy i don't need to uh, be stressed out trying to get his approval hmm. basically that's
0: so helpful and um can everyone just thank elder kirby for us um have a seat kerbs um, it's so important, I think, that you hear stories, like Kirby's, like um, many of you have stories about anxiety, um, and it's really important that we're able to tell it, uh, and I just found it so encouraging that someone that he had been supporting uh, through depression and anxiety was the person that he thought immediately I can turn to, so maybe you have shared your story and you, you think, I've, you know, you've been the burden on someone else, which you're not, But who knows how you can be an assistance to someone else later on. Um, Now, if you're familiar with uh, us at uh, Southwest, and if you're visiting, especially if you've come because of winter fair or been invited, I want to welcome you. My name is Pete, by the way, and uh, I'm the senior pastor, lead pastor of our church. Now, if you're familiar with my preaching, I usually try and start with something funny and interesting, which my kids will usually roll their eyes about because it's not funny. Um, But I'm not going to do that today because there really is nothing funny about anxiety. Um, And just to make the point, one of the... um, The funniest website that you'll actually come across is called the Babylon Bee, Um, but the founder, and you may not know this, the founder, this man called Adam Ford, he says, for seven years I have lived with generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder and social anxiety. It has completely changed my life. Before I had these issues, I was an outgoing type A extrovert. I fed off social situations and loved being the center of attention. Today, I'm a serious introvert, who struggles mightily with social situations, unfamiliar settings, having any attention on me, meeting new people, talking on the phone, or even writing an article like this one. More often than not, I just can't do it. I've been unable to leave my house for stretches of time, I've almost crashed my car while having a panic attack, I hate going to the doctor or the barber shop. I can't do small groups with people I don't know. I've tried so, so hard to go to conferences, but I've never been able to go through with it. I'm a mess, really. There really is nothing funny about that if that is your experience or even something close to that. Uh, What is anxiety and how common is it? Well, the helpful website, Beyond Blue... Um, basically tells us there there are two kinds of ways we think of anxiety. There's firstly the common anxiety that we all experience when you're stressed or worried in day-to-day life, right? That's the common worries and stresses of life. But then there is anxiety as an ongoing mental health struggle. And that second kind of anxiety, just want to show you uh, what Beyond Blue Blue tells us, uh, And it's important for us to know that anxiety of that second kind is more than just feeling stressed or worried. While stress and anxious feelings are a common response to a situation where we feel under pressure, they usually pass once the stressful situation has passed or the stresses are removed. Anxiety is when these anxious feelings don't go away, when they're ongoing and happen without any particular reason or cause. It's a serious condition that makes it hard to cope with daily life. Everyone feels anxious from time to time, that's the first kind, but for someone experiencing anxiety, the second kind, these feelings aren't easily controlled. How common is it? It is the most common mental health condition in Australia. On average, one in four people, one in three women, one in five men will experience anxiety at some stage in their life, and he's talking about the second kind. In a 12-month period, over 2 million Australians experience anxiety, again, of that second kind. Now, just a bit of a disclaimer, I am not particularly, I think, I don't think of myself as a particularly anxious person, and I certainly haven't been diagnosed with any anxiety disorders, but I went on the Beyond Blue website, and I just did one of those self-assessment things, and even I came up with moderately anxious You see, anxiety of the first or the second kind will be everyone's experience at some point in your life. I mean, everyone has the daily stresses and worries, but then the extreme cases where it's crippled your ability to function, it's ongoing, well, according to Beyond Blue, it's very, very common, right? One in three women, one in five men. Now, let me let you know my aim today is not to do what a trained mental health professional can. That's not my aim. That's not my expertise. I can't do that. I want to open God's Word, the Bible, with you. Now, the Bible is not a substitute for professional help. It can complement, it can shed light on the most helpful things you get from counseling or psychotherapy. But it's not the same. Ultimately, though, I want to open the Bible because the Bible is an alternate story. Now, why is that important? Because here's the thing. When you are anxious, especially if you have an ongoing anxiety... Anxiety is telling you a story. You may not realize this. It's telling you a story about you, about the world, about what matters. The Bible is going to speak another story. And really, to battle anxiety, we've got to have an alternate story that's not just superficial, an alternate story that gets deep into who we are, how God has made us. And that alternate story can ultimately really help us. Because it gives us a different perspective of ourselves in the world. And that's what the Bible will do. And that's why we're opening the Bible. Now, um, I'm going to, another couple of disclaimers. I am casting a very wide net today, all right? I've got the next half an hour. And I want to speak to the anxieties of the majority of people, whether it's the first or the second kind, um, whether it's general worries and stresses, as well as the more serious seasons that you might have where it kind of gets in the way of life. But it's a very wide net, and I don't have a lot of time. So there's a whole other pocket of uh, what's called anxiety disorders, um, such as phobias, panic disorders, uh, post-traumatic stress disorders, OCD, right, Um, or general anxiety disorders, I just won't be able to cover. As well as, obviously, anxiety often goes with depression, and that's a whole other topic that I won't be able to cover. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be helpful things that you can apply from today if you or someone battles with those things. But my recommendation is if you do, or if they do, that you do seek help or continue to seek help with mental health professionals. And I've got um, uh, some numbers at the bottom of the page on the uh, inside of the bulletins you got when you came in, Um, especially if this talk triggers difficult or painful things for you. um, Please keep some of those numbers handy as well as recommended a couple of books you can read further on. Okay. So let's go. Um, I've got quite a lot of uh, points that you can see, um, and I hope you can follow with me on the inside of your bulletins. Uh, my first point is that our anxiety is trying to tell us something. You see, worry and anxiety is actually part of the human condition. It really is. I mean, think about it. From the moment you are born, you express anxiety. It's what a baby's cry is, isn't it? Now, from the Bible's perspective, anxiety is not to be dismissed or ignored. In fact, your anxiety is trying to tell you something. It's trying to tell you something about yourself, about the world you live in, and ultimately actually about God. So I want you for a moment to take those things that you are currently or most worried or anxious or stressed about and ask yourself the question, what is it trying to tell me? What is it trying to tell me? Now that is not as easy as it sounds, because to do that you actually have to slow down, don't you? And and that's hard when you're anxious because your natural reaction to anxiety is what? To relieve anxiety and pressure quickly. That's what we do. You get anxious. We have this instinctive, protective sort of instinct. And we just want to relieve it and we do it quickly. But doing it quickly and not slowing down almost always makes it worse. Just think about the last time that you were stressed and didn't slow down. You may have lashed out in anger. Or you may have let your thoughts overwhelm you. Or maybe you tried to relieve stress by nagging someone or dominating someone or controlling someone. Or maybe for you, you just withdraw and hide. That's your instinct. Or maybe you gossiped about someone and tried to pull others into this conflict that's causing you stress. Did, it, did any of those actions actually help you in the long run? I think you know the answer is mostly no, right? Probably not. We actually sometimes need to slow down Not act, not think instinctively, but actually ask ourselves the question, what is our anxiety trying to tell us? And there's a few things. Firstly, it's trying to tell us about what we fear. See, what lies beneath anxiety is almost always, if not always, fear. So you need to ask yourself the question, what is my anxiety revealing about what I'm afraid of? What am I fearing? So maybe you are anxious about study, right, because you're a student or work, what are you afraid of? Well, you may be afraid of failing, afraid of losing your job, afraid of letting others down. Maybe you're anxious about how you look, your body image. What are you afraid of? You're afraid of being judged or maybe shamed. Maybe you're anxious about being single because you're afraid of being alone and missing out on, on children or companionship. Maybe you're anxious about money because you're afraid of not being able to pay the bills or survive or maintain a certain lifestyle. Maybe you're anxious about your safety or someone else's safety, like your kids or people you love, because you're afraid of pain and loss and death. Maybe you're anxious about your health because you're afraid of not being able to live and work and enjoy life independently and meaningfully. Maybe you have an anxiety about being with people, social situations, because you're afraid of being rejected. Maybe you're anxious about the future, because you're afraid of uncertainty and danger. Maybe you're anxious about death, because you're afraid of pain or separation or loss. All right? Behind every anxiety is a fear. Now, this can be hard if you have an anxiety disorder, because if you have one of those overwhelming anxiety disorders. Generally, you just feel a sense of doom and dread that covers almost blankets everything. And to be able to get down underneath it and slow down may not be that easy. It may be helpful for you to get professional counseling, to be able to get deeper than that. But we can go even deeper than our fears, can't we? Because what we fear reveals what we value. You know, like what we fear reveals what we value and cherish. For example, I am never anxious about my sneakers. Some of you are. I don't care if I lose my sneakers. I don't care if I get them dirty. Why? Because they're just not important to me. But my bike, well, that's another matter. Recently, I had a crash. My first thought was, is my bike okay? And then I realized I was bleeding. Now, I never lose sleep over people who troll on Facebook and write silly or nasty things on my feed. I never lose sleep over that. But I will lose sleep if a fellow pastor or a congregation member criticizes me. Why? Because anxiety reveals fear. Fear reveals what we value. Now, I want to say that's not a bad thing always, is it? Like like the person who, who lives completely without worry... And you may know people who are just like laid back about everything. I mean, they may be happy, but they're likely to be irresponsible and selfish, right? Like if you don't care about anything or anyone, then you won't fear and you aren't anxious. So being anxious and fearful can reveal that we care about things and that itself is not a bad thing. That's a good. Thing. Being a Christian is not living without cares and worries at all. And if you'd like, you can read many places where Paul, the apostle, writer of half of the New Testament, expresses how he was anxious and distressed and worried because he cared and he loved people. Now, later on, I'll come to the fact that it's possible that anxiety and fears reveal that what we cherish are not very good things, or they're good things that have become God things, they've become idols. Right? It's very easy to make too important the things that shouldn't be ultimate in our lives, and it replaces God. But I'll come to that later on. But my point is simply that it reveals what we care and cherish itself is not always a bad thing. But thirdly, anxiety also tells us a story. And here's where we come to that. What is anxiety trying to tell you? It's trying to tell you a story about who you are, but it's also trying to tell us a story about who we were meant to be and what's wrong with the world. And And on that, anxiety actually reveals a part of the Bible story that is completely consistent. Because when you're anxious and fearful, you f- realize, maybe for, for some people, realize for the first time how vulnerable and how fragile you really are. Yeah, when you're anxious and fearful and worried, it reveals that you are fragile, that you are vulnerable. And you know what the Bible wants to say to that? The Bible wants to say, yes, that is true. Because no matter how strong you think you are, the reality is we are vulnerable and we are fragile. We are not gods. We are human. We are not creator. We are created creatures. We, the Bible says, are dust. So I want to bring you back right to the beginning of the Bible and show you from Genesis chapter 2. And we'll look at a few verses here. Look at the Bible story about who we are. Then the Lord God formed a man... From the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. We were made from dust. Right? Insignificant, vulnerable, fragile human beings. That's who we are. And that's what anxiety reveals. And so, being fragile dust, we were never created to be strong in ourselves, self sufficient. But then if you read a little bit further on in Genesis 2, you'll realize in the Garden of Eden, right at the beginning, while fragile and vulnerable, our ancestors, Adam and Eve, strangely, were not insecure. They were not fearful. They had nothing to be anxious about. That's how we were created. So why why is it that they, like us, are fragile and vulnerable and yet had nothing to be fearful and anxious about. Well, it's not because they were created of different stuff. We already read, they are made of dust, like us. It's not because they themselves were gods, but because they're in the garden, they were in relationship with someone who was God. That's the key. And so we read on in Genesis chapter 2. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame." Do you see, though completely vulnerable, they were also completely secure, weren't they? Their material and physical needs were taken care of in the garden. Their relationship needs were taken care of in marriage. Their need to lead meaningful lives were taken care of. God gave them work to do. Their eternity taken care of because they had access to the tree of life. Okay, So still dust, still vulnerable but nothing to fear, absolutely secure. And it's kind of summarized by that last line, isn't it? They were naked, but unashamed. So we were created to be dust. We were created to be dependent, and anxiety reveals both those things. And yet, when sin enters the world, the third thing that anxiety reveals is that we are disordered. See, when sin enters the world, the next chapter, Adam and Eve rebel against God, Fear and anxiety also come into the world. Why? Because at the heart of sin isn't doing bad things. At the heart of sin is that we seek to be independent, that we seek to be self-sufficient. We seek to be independent from relationship with our Creator. But as I said, we're not created to be like that. We're not supposed to be independent of God any more than you can keep food fresh in a fridge once you unplug it from the power source, Right? The fridge is not supposed to function and able to keep food fresh if it's not plugged into power. When we unplug ourselves from God, that's when the disorder happens because our security then melts away. Because remember, true security doesn't come in who you are in yourself, but only in relationship to God. Now, if we go to the next chapter of Genesis, we don't have time to turn to it, but you may know the story. What we will see is that materially and physically, they are now under threat because they're expelled from the garden, from paradise, and the world outside of the garden is hostile, it's dangerous. The work and labor would now be hard toil, the ground would be cursed, and sickness and suffering and death would enter the world because they can't access the tree of life anymore. Life is uncertain, and because you die, work and life ultimately becomes meaningless. But then most of all, relationships are no longer secure as well. You know, one of the first consequences when the man and the woman rebelled against God is they realized they were naked and then they felt ashamed. What a contrast to the last line. They were naked and unashamed. The first consequence of disorder, naked and ashamed. Now, what is that image telling us? It means that the person closest to me is now a threat to me. Because when I'm exposed, I'm now unsafe. Adam is exposed before his wife. His wife is exposed before him. That should be complete trust. But no, they feel unsafe. I need to hide who I really am. Because now if you see me as I am, and if I see you as you are, there's going to be rejection and judgment. That's a tragedy, isn't it? Now you bring all of that into our world, and you see how that really does diagnose our problem, doesn't it? Because this is the world we live in now. And because this is the world we live in now, I want to say anxiety and fear actually is appropriate to a certain extent, yeah? I mean, think about it. Anxiety is a warning sign that our lives are insecure, that we are fragile, and that we live in a world that is dangerous. And the Bible wants to say all these things are true. You know, the person running around on the Titanic after it's hit an iceberg and he's running around in panic while everyone else is dining and eating and drinking... That person who's anxious and in a panic is actually onto something. It's everyone else that doesn't see it, yeah? And I want to say that unless we really grapple with this truth, that anxiety exposes, but also the Bible confirms that we are dust, that we are dependent, that we are disordered, then you know, any solution we bring to anxiety is only going to be superficial, isn't it? Because here's the truth, guys death is scary. We get hurt easily. Rejection happens in every relationship. Money can be gained and lost just like that. Loneliness is real. Sickness comes to everyone. Even the strongest can fall. On this side of the Garden of Eden, nothing is really secure. We are dust. Which is why, getting to my second point, Jesus is the only solution to our deepest problems. Here, God is going to give you a different story for the world and for your life. Because in Jesus, God enters into our disordered world in order to bring us back to how He made us, to paradise, to security. Now, how does He do that? Well, firstly, Jesus' life, You see, if you meet Jesus by reading parts of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four biographies of Jesus' life, you will meet Jesus and see the way that He helped the broken and the suffering and the anxious. I wish we could go through it in detail, but you may remember that in the midst of a raging storm, Jesus spoke peace and He calms the storm. In the midst of sickness and disease, Jesus touches those who are sick and instantly they are healed. In the midst of death, Jesus will call people to walk out of their tombs back to life again. And Jesus is able to bring security because he himself also modeled it perfectly. Remember, human beings were created to be completely dependent on God. Security comes not in ourselves, but in relationship to God who makes us secure. Well, Jesus modeled that perfectly. He always lived in complete dependence. He wasn't born rich. No, he was born in the midst of poverty and suffering, and he experienced betrayal. Even in all of that, Jesus was completely dependent. And so, he was not overwhelmed with anxiety Or fear, was he? Except once. Where was the one time where Jesus did feel overwhelmed with anxiety and fear? Genuine question, when was it? I just hear... Someone yell out? The garden. Which garden? Not Eden. It was the Garden of Gethsemane the night before his death. Have a look at this. They went to the place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. And look at this. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said to them, Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Yeah, not what I will, but, you, but what you will. Jesus, at that one point, did feel overwhelmed with fear and anxiety. But it was purposeful. It was for a reason. It was because he was about to bear the sins of the world and to die in our place on the cross. This was the night before he goes to the cross. And why did he do that? He did that, not because he sinned. Remember, he always lived the perfect, dependent life on God. But he did it so that he can, in our place, finally put an end to our sin and reopen the door to true security in paradise. And he chose to go there for us. He chose to go to the place of deepest anxiety and fear and dread because he was about to face hell. And that's not just figuratively. He literally faced hell on the cross. But He does it for you, for me, in our place, so that we would never have to. So that no matter how bad life gets and how much you fear, the greatest danger facing humanity, you will never have to fear because Jesus went there for you already. He paid for it all so that you and I can be forgiven. And because His death does that to our deepest problem, which is sin, The door to paradise is reopened. And Jesus opens the door and he steps through it first. He rises to life again three days later. And so he guarantees that if you are his, then one day you will rise again from the dead. And therefore, death is really no longer that scary. It's just an entry point to eternal life in a new world. And because he is risen, the Bible says he is alive today. We're not worshiping a dead man or a dead god no he's alive and he says i will be with you and i will never leave you no matter how tough life gets and so my final point where is the hope for the anxious well firstly know god personally and deeply See, isn't it true that who you know and who is with you can actually give you lots of confidence and security in an otherwise scary or insecure situation? So think about walking down a scary alley at night. That's pretty scary for most people. But imagine if you're walking there with Chuck Norris. Okay, maybe that's not real. A police officer, Officer Matt Zang. Maybe not Officer Matt Zang, just another police officer. No, Sorry, Matt. Yeah, you know, suddenly you have confidence where you didn't have before because it's who you're with and who you know. Or going to a party where you don't know anyone, and you can be pretty anxious about these kind of parties, I would, but you walk in and you're walking in in arm-in-arm with the host of the party because you are their VIP guest. All of a sudden, boom, confidence, right? Who you know. Now, who do we know? If you're a follower of Jesus, you get to know God. See, we were created, as I said, not to be secure in ourselves, but in relationship with God. So if you want to have true security in the midst of fear and uncertainty, don't look within yourself. You need to have a relationship with God through Jesus, and that is the only way that you can get security put on you. And remember, this is not a God who looks from a distance. Jesus faced anxiety to its most soul-crushing depths. He understands. The Bible says He is not... Like a a, a priest who looks from afar, he is someone who knows and sympathizes with our weaknesses. And when you get to know God, you'll know twin truths that we need to hang on to if we're anxious. That God is both great and gracious. That He is both mighty and merciful. That He is powerful and yet personal. That He is infinite and intimate. And isn't it true? If you're anxious, you need both to be true. He is big enough to control the situation. He's personal enough to walk with you. And those things you will get to know. Now, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, let me tell you today, you can know God like that through Jesus, right? Examine Jesus and you can do that through fresh. Tuesday night, come along. Let that be the beginning of your journey. Ask the questions. Find out more. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, let me ask you two questions to ask yourself. The first question is, do you really know God? Because here's the thing, knowing God is not the same as knowing about God. For God to be of help to you when you are anxious, He can't just be a concept, He needs to be a companion. You got that? He can't just be a distant concept, He has to be an intimate companion. So do you know God like that? Now, if you don't, that's really something to seek. In fact, I want to say to you, it's actually often in the seasons of utter weakness, when you're feeling most crushed and burdened and anxious and grieving and suffering, that actually in those seasons, God uses it to draw you closer to Him so that He moves from being a concept to a companion. Have you experienced that, Christian? I have. And, and that's those seasons are when prayer moves from being a shopping list to a soul's desperate cry for intimacy. And just a tip about prayer. If you are struggling, especially with anxiety, go beyond praying about what you're anxious about or the situations. Go to that next level. Pray about your fears. Admit to God. Be vulnerable with God and say, God, I'm really afraid of this. Name your fears. That really helps in moments of anxiety. Don't try and be tough. And don't just pray superficial prayers. Go deep. Pray about your fears. Even go deeper and pray about what you cherish and value and surrender them to God. Secondly, do your anxiety and fears reveal what that what you most value may actually be an idol? Right? Do your anxieties and fears reveal that what you most value, if you're a follower of Jesus, it may be that what you most value beneath the fears of what you're anxious about is actually a God substitute, an idol. That you actually value that, whether it's approval from people, respect from others, controlling your life or situation, pleasure, whatever it is, that you actually value those things much more than you value even God himself. And, and, and that's often the case when something that we have ultimate in our lives, when we don't have it, we are from just being concerned and worried to actually being crushed, overwhelmed. Now, often our overwhelming fear and anxiety may be revealing an idol. And it's re- the reason why we get overwhelmed is because these idols, they're not God. They're good things, but they're not God. They can't substitute God. They're, they're powerless and they're ultimately insecure. See, anything you value over God can and will let you down. And so an idol of success will let you down, and no wonder you are overwhelmed with fear and anxiety when success is threatened. Because only God's supposed to occupy that place. So followers of Jesus ask yourself the second question, is there an idol beneath that? And that's a topic for another day to deal with, but I just thought I'd put it out there. The next thing, let God's promises speak louder than your fears. Did you know that the most frequent command in the Bible that God gives to His people... The most frequent one is this, don't be afraid. I was surprised when I read that. That's actually the most frequent command. Even more than love your neighbor as yourself. It's don't be afraid. But here's the thing, God doesn't just give a command, He also brings promises with it. With the promise, don't be afraid, is often a promise that I will be with you. Or that He will provide for our material needs. That's a promise in Matthew 6 and there's a few more on your outlines for you, that He will never leave you or forsake you, Deuteronomy 31. That if you cast your anxiety on Him, it's because He cares for you, 1 Peter 5, 7. And that you, that you will get a peace that passes understanding when you pray to Him, Philippians 4, 6. And that all things in your life ultimately work together for your good, Romans 8, 28. And in fact, Romans 8 is great, isn't it? We read that earlier. Nothing captures it better than this chapter of the Bible. So I hope you have your Bibles open on the passage we read earlier. Look at what God is promising. Spend some time in these promises. See, if you are afraid of opposition or afraid of judgment from others, look at verse 31. Here's a promise. If God is for you, who can be against you? Or maybe you're afraid of shame or being condemned. And verse 34, God says, well, who can condemn you? No one. Maybe you're afraid of being unloved or rejected. And God says in verse 35, Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? Or maybe you're afraid of death. Maybe you're afraid of the future. Maybe you're afraid of Satan. And God says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's hard when you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed. But part of the Christian journey is to let the promises of God speak louder than our fears. Sometimes you need to hear it. Sometimes you need to preach it to yourself. Sometimes you need others to preach it to you. Thirdly, ground your identity and security in Jesus. Um, I shared with you Adam Ford, the um, founder of the Babylon Bee, who struggles with anxiety disorder. Look what he says here. We live a life in which our feelings actively try to kill us. He's talking about people with anxiety disorders. It's a strange existence. We know better than most that feelings can be filthy, stinking liars, while subjective feelings try to do us in. The objective truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is what sustains us. It's our life raft. The fact that God chose us before the foundation of the world, sent his son to die on a cross for us, taking upon himself the punishment for our sins, granting us eternal life and perfect bliss with him in heaven, this is what sustains us through many dark times. I don't know how I could go on without this truth sustaining me. This is the anchor of our soul that our status before God is secure, because it's not dependent on our turbulent feelings. It's dependent on the finished work of Christ. So when God looks at us, even when we're being smothered by a wet anxiety blanket, He sees, what does He see? A beloved child, a perfectly clothed in the full righteousness of Christ, child of God. See, friends, if you struggle with mental illness, whether it's anxiety, depression, or other things, you are not defined by that. You're not defined by your fears. You are defined by Jesus and who God says you are in Jesus. Remember what I said right at the beginning? There's only hope when you take God's story for the world and you live that out instead of what your anxiety or depression or mental illness, the story that it's trying to tell you. Take God's better story and make that yours. Finally, very quickly, you can't do this alone. Right, 40 minutes, can't possibly cover all that needs to be covered. You may need professional help. You may even need medication. You may need pastoral help, and we're here for you. There'll be a time after the service where you can come and be prayed for by the pastors also my details are at the front of the bulletins you may not feel comfortable to come and uh, be prayed for today but please contact me and we will get help to you now you will definitely however need friends you will need friends right? you cannot do this alone other than god you'll also need friends Church community can provide that. We are not a perfect church. We don't always help those with mental health struggles the best we can, but we want to, and we do the best we can, and there are people who do and can genuinely care. Now, by the way, if you are a friend to someone struggling with mental health or anxiety in particular, I encourage you to keep being a friend to them. Be persistent, be patient, be understanding, be wise, I don't offer quick fixes, don't be judgmental. Remind them of the truth of the gospel. Remind them of that alternate story. All right? And do that persistently even when they don't respond. They do appreciate it, they do. Sometimes by simple text or email, sometimes you know for someone like Adam Ford, actually to have a phone conversation is too anxious, anxiety- inducing. find out what is the best way that they respond. Sometimes sending regular text or emails to encourage them is the best way. But stick with them, because they need you. And who knows, like Kirby's story, you might need them one day. Going to get the band up, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for all those who are, for for whom this is not just an intellectual exercise, not just even something we want to help our friends with, but actually something that is deeply, deeply what we struggle with right at this moment. And I know that I cannot possibly do justice to this Um, this topic, as well as the struggles that many have. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you would minister your story to their lives. That you would show that there is hope because Jesus has come, has died, has risen, and he is bringing us into a better world. And may your promises speak much louder than any of our fears and anxieties. And may we be people who will support one another through this. In Jesus' name, amen.